Welcome to the Adam Schefter Podcast in what is the busiest week of the NFL year, the start of the new league year when trades become official, when signings of free agents become official, and coming up on the Adam Schefter Podcast, we've got an action-packed show with you. We've got the Raiders general manager, Mike Mayock, prior to the Antonio Brown trade, speaking at length about what the Raiders need. And then, staying in the Bay Area, we have the 49ers general manager, John Lynch, talking about where they stand with the number two overall pick in the draft. And then, the Kansas City Chiefs general manager, Brett Veach, followed by the men from Pardon My Take, my buddies, Big Cat and PFT commenter. But first, with the news of the weekend being Antonio Brown shipped out to Oakland, we bring an ESPN colleague, friend fantasy expert, and man who's about to get married to a woman well above his capabilities, Field Yates. Field, thanks for joining the podcast this week. Not sure I could have ever appropriately described myself, other than that last one line there. And that is a perfect summation of me. Yes, I am, I've outkicked my coverage. Well, that is a great tribute to the great Chapin Duke. Yes, soon to be Chapin Yates. Yeah, and I think we're like 100 days away. So now it's getting real, Adam. It's getting really real. And Chapin Duke is a great name, but Chapin Yates might be even better. But let we digress, Field. We digress. <laughs> Let's bring it back to Oakland and Antonio Brown and your reaction to the news of the trade that sent seismic shockwaves through the NFL this weekend. Yeah, Adam, how about the, uh, I know that you were up until whatever it was, 12.43 a.m. Eastern time, and I happened to have fallen asleep a little bit earlier on that night, and then here I am at 1 a.m. waking up for no reason, really, and next thing I know, Antonio Brown is a Raider. But here's what I would say, is that throughout this process, Shefty, it became clearer and clearer to me that there was one team that kind of checked all of the boxes in this incredibly unique situation, because I think people are wondering if Antonio Brown's quote-unquote power play, is setting the precedent for future NFL stars. I'm not so sure. I think this was a truly unique set of circumstances where when you factor in the money that Pittsburgh was going to have to eat on a trade, the amount of money that Antonio Bryan wanted in a new contract, plus the compensation, plus the age, plus the fact that he had taken to social media and acted in such a way that teams were starting to grow a little bit anxious or weary of trade trading for him, that the perfect landing spot, and maybe the only landing spot in the entire NFL, was the Oakland Raiders. Well, listen, to me there are some interesting takeaways from this entire trade, right? You have, number one, the Oakland Raiders, for the second straight year, trading a third-round pick to Pittsburgh for a wide receiver. Last year they traded a third-round pick for Martavis Bryant. This year, a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick for Antonio Brown. Who would you rather have for a third-round pick? Which of those receivers, but amazing that two straight years the Raiders get a deal done. Antonio Brownfield, big winner here, gets a huge contract increase, gets an extension, gets more guaranteed money, gets everything he wants at a time when there weren't many teams that were willing to pay him like the Oakland Raiders were. The Pittsburgh Steelers take the huge dead cap charge of $21.1 million, the largest cap charge Any team has ever taken over one player, huge cost to absorb to get rid of a great player like Antonio Brown in a franchise that once was set up with Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, the killer bees. He's not the one killer bee, Ben Roethlisberger, and he's going to need the support of James Conner and Juju Smith-Schuster now to keep the Steelers afloat in the AFC North, where I actually think going into next season, the Cleveland Browns might be the favorite to win that division. 
it's it's a cra- I mean it, it's it's a not so crazy thought that maybe strikes some people as crazy only because of the Browns track record over the past 25 years but and certainly a lot can change. We were taping this on Monday, days before free agency begins and Le'Veon Bell's eventual destination could shape how a team and either conference looks and certainly there's a lot of moves to be made and but the Cleveland Adam, this is a team that found its quarterback last year. This is a team that has been willing to dip its toe into basically any transaction. Olivier Vernon, they recently traded for to become official on Wednesday afternoon. And despite a flurry of activity, they have still around 60 or so million dollars, maybe closer to 70 million dollars to work with on Wednesday afternoon. And I'm not sure that this is a signature free agency class, Adam, but I'm just telling you, Everybody is preparing for the usual barrage of money on Wednesday afternoon, and the Browns are well-equipped to basically fill out a lot of their immediate needs and still be fine when it comes to the draft because they have all of their picks. This team, I don't know if they're building a behemoth there, Adam, but they are really well-positioned with sound strategy and decision-making to become not the team in the AFC North, but a team in the AFC North, which has been something they have been the opposite of for about 20 years. Well, who do you feel better about winning that division right now, Field? Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cincinnati. If you had to pick today, prior to free agency. I would still pick the Pittsburgh Steelers as of right now. And here's the reason why. I understand that, uh, obviously, they, they're, they're, they've already lost Antonio Brown. And I think you and I would be collectively shocked if they did employ Le'Veon Bell as of about 4.05 p.m. on Wednesday. No, he's moving on. Um, he's moving on. He's man. moving on. Yes, um, but still, I think there's something to be said for, and I have, I, I, this is something that I, I find myself saying every single year is, I think I'd be, rather be a year too late than a year too mm-hmm. early in counting out a team that has a track record of success. I felt that way strongly about Seattle going into last year, and it maybe wasn't a perfect year, but they exceeded some expectations, and Russell Wilson showed off his brilliance. I think the Steelers, um, as much as Antonio Brown was unbelievable on the field. And I go on for 10 minutes about why I think the move makes all the sense in the world uh, for the Oakland Raiders. They have recalibrated the locker room, Adam. They, they have handed the keys over to the guys that they feel strongly about. It yep. wasn't just Antonio Brown that was being traded. That happened concurrently with re-signing amongst other players. I'm sure we'll get done between now and Wednesday afternoon. They extended the contract, Marquise Pouncey. They re-signed Ramon Foster, who's he was expected to be a free agent on Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m., a two-year deal for Foster. Like, I think that they are doubling down on the guys that, through difficult times last year, they could turn to, and they're parting ways with the guys that, when things were preparing to hit the fan last year, only accelerated that timeline of things getting out of whack in Pittsburgh. Hey, Field, thanks very much. We're going to have you back again next week to recap what is going to be an absolutely crazy week in the NFL once free agency starts at 4 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday, March 13th. And we'll be back on the Adam Schefter Podcast next week to discuss the winners, losers, who took a step ahead and who took a step back in relation to the 2019 season. But next, we're going to move on to the Raiders general manager, Mike Mayock, who we had a chance to sit down with in an extended fashion in Indianapolis prior to the Antonio Brown trade, listen to what he says about his views on the Raiders roster pre-Antonio Brown. Mike, you know what I miss coming to the Combine this year? No. Reading your transcripts, breaking down. <laughs> you need to get out more often. Well, no. If you're I'm reading my honest. transcripts, you need to get out more so often. So now the Oakland Raiders are the only people that get to hear <laughs> your thoughts going to the Combine, assessing the upcoming draft class. So 
if you were going to give me some of your thoughts on the upcoming draft yeah. class without compromising your position, yeah. what would you say about this upcoming draft class? Like every year, there there are positives and negatives to the class. And if you're looking for a defensive lineman, it's a great year. I mean, what it's one of the deepest defensive line classes I've ever seen. I think if you're looking for a tight end, it's a great year. Um, I think in a, if you're looking for a corner or a wide receiver, it's an intriguing year because really there there isn't a, a knock em dead number one or number two or three wide outer corner. And I think there are different flavors at those positions, and I think different teams are going to like different guys. But I think those two positions to me are highly intriguing because there's no really number one guy at, at either of them. And every year, you know, all, all I used to talk about were quarterbacks because that seemed to be that, you know, 90% of that pyramid was about the quarterbacks. Um, and this year's no different. I mean, there, there's three or four guys at the top end that are really intriguing. And again, uh, at this time of year, I always felt like a lot of the quarterbacks, if you put true value on them, mm-hmm. were kind of mid to late first round guys. But that's not how it works. Yeah. And by the time you they get the draft up. week, they're top 10 guys every friggin' year. And I think it's going to happen again. And I've had that debate and argument with other people. I would say to yeah. Mel, back when we were, quarterbacks always rise. So even though you might not think that they're as good, it's always safe to say the quarterbacks can go out. I think this year we get two quarterbacks in the top six. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. And I, I think there are really three of them, at least in the conversation. Wow. I wouldn't even tell you which are the top two. I don't know. Um, I, I think there are at least three of them in the conversation to be a top, call it a top 10 pick. Um, and, and all of them have a different skill set. And, and I'm intrigued by all three. I think the whole league is intrigued by all, at least three of the guys. And then you start to get in into some other guys that, that, um, I think can be starting quarterbacks in the NFL. So it's an intriguing quarterback class. How different will this draft experience be for you as opposed to sitting on the set of the NFL network and running the Raiders draft room? Oh man, it's a, it's a really good question because I haven't had to be in the, the Raiders draft room yet. Um, we, here's what I'm trying to do, Adam. Is um, I've always been a big believer that if you're a general manager in the NFL, you ought to have a real good feel for for league value, not just Raider value or whatever team you run, but you got no league value if you want to move up or down a board. Um, you know, I always had conversations in my television life with, with GMs and head coaches leading up to the draft, and I would share my league value board with them. And we'd talk about where I might be higher, or lower, or whatever. But the reason these guys wanted to see my board was because they've set their board their way. But if you're going to move up or down, you, you pretty much better know what league value is on most of the board. And so they'd love to talk with me about that. Um, and now sitting in this chair – I kind of want to know what league value is. You know, we've got three first-round picks. Kind of intriguing. We we might have an opportunity to move up, down, and around. And, and we're going to be open for business. So uh, I want to know what league value is. Uh, I want to make sure that when we get into draft week, we're running a whole bunch of mock drafts in our headquarters where – People are calling. We got. I got guys that are going to be responsible for different teams calling. We're going to sit there and we're going to go through the whole first round a bunch of times, just so that uh, any trade scenarios, any surprises, we're going to try and practice all of it leading up to the draft. But you will have to ascertain league value in a different way than you were able to do it in the past. Correct. Correct. And I will. And it won't be a problem. <laughs> can Can you call another person on another team, whoever that is? and discuss value with them. Is that uh, something that you think you can do? 
I know I probably won't be very comfortable um, talking with too many other teams. Uh, I, I just I think that's awkward and difficult. Um, I've got some great relationships around the league, and we, tr- we guys I really trust. But I, again, I, I just I think for me there are going to be other ways and other avenues to kind of figure out the league value. Have you ever been in a draft room on draft day? I've always been in the studio with you, Dave. Exactly. Well, that's what well, listen, this was the first year that Mel Kuyper Jr. is at the Combine. He's never come to the Combine before, and this will be the first year that you're in a war room. You're running the war room. It's interesting to think of. It's like I was saying before. It would be like a restaurant critic who never goes to a restaurant and always gets food delivery. Wait, they're actually going to a restaurant? It's very strange to think about it in certain ways yeah. that you've never been in a war room. And let me say this. There's nobody that knows value and talent as well as you. Nobody. But this will be a different thing being in a war room and yeah. running the war room for the first time. I'll tell you the major difference for me, and I've already felt it, is that for the last 15 to 20 years, I basically have been an independent contractor responsible for evaluating football players. And I could get up at 5.30 in the morning, put the pot of coffee on, be in my gym shorts, watching tape by 6, 6.15, and I controlled my day. You know, that's all I had to worry about was to hit certain benchmarks for the NFL network and be ready to talk football. And that's 15 or 20 years. Uh, and now I'm responsible for an entire department of a football team with, with a group of scouts and, and we've got all the coaches involved. And, and so on a daily basis, I'm involved with a lot of human beings and their lives. And, and that's been energizing, number one. Um, but it's also been challenging. Because now we've got a whole different conversation in this building about how we create what we think an Oakland Raider is, what John Gruden and I, what, what's our vision for an Oakland Raider, um, and how do we stay consistent to it? Because I think the hardest thing, Adam, in over the years, you know, every new head coach, every new GM talks about changing the culture in a losing building. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's a hell of a lot easier to say it than to do it. And that's what I when I look around the, the league and I see, you know, what Belichick has done in New England. Uh, pick pick the teams that have drafted well and done well in free agency, whether it's you know whether it's Green Bay or or Pittsburgh or Baltimore. Pick a whole. There are only a handful, six, seven, eight, nine teams where you can say that over the last fifteen years they consistently win at a high level, and they do that because of the personnel. Okay, they consistently win at a high level, and that means their head coach and their GM and both their departments are tied together philosophically at the hip, all of them. And I think that's the biggest dysfunction in in losing buildings is is that disconnect between those two departments. So we've worked, John and I have been working tirelessly between our two departments to make sure we're an open and transparent building, and information is flowing both ways. What is a Raider? What is the ideal? Raider that you talk about with John. Well, I mean to oversimplify. I think I think John and I are both guys with a similar passion for the game of football. So what do we want? We want guys with the same freaking passion. You know, we want guys that love ball. Um, do we want big, strong, fast guys? Of course we do. The whole league does. You know, we all want those guys with height, weight, speed, and you got to have them. But at the end of the day, I want guys that live for football. That outside of faith and family, football is the most important thing in their lives. They show up early, they stay late, and on Sunday they can't wait to get to the stadium. Those are the kind of guys John and I want. And you can identify those guys going into a draft, correct? You can. And, and uh, you know, every team has something like we call it the Raider Star. Every team has, you know, you put a red dot on a guy or, or 
blue dot or green, whatever the dot is, or that's the kind of guy that that organization identifies as a raider or a falcon or an eagle or a viking or whatever. And and so we haven't put a star on a player yet because we we did our initial draft board back in Oakland a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but I want the coaches involved also. And and when we put a star on a player's name on our draft board, I want it to mean something. How many players would you envision having a Raider star when you go into that draft in April? I don't know yet. And, and what I've told our scouts is that each each one of them is going to get one guy. And, and I don't care if he's a first-round guy. To star. They get one guy they to get star? one guy. You get one. You get one guy in your region. And and I don't care if he's a fifth round pick, a first round pick, a free agent. You get one Raider star. What if they love two? That's too bad. You bet pick the right guy, man. One guy. And how yeah. many scouts you have? Oh, we got ten or twelve guys that'll have a voice in that. And then you'll get to star a guy, and John will get yeah. to star a guy, and the coaches will get to star a guy. I might get two. Well, you should get two. As a GM, you get two. That's a general rule. You get as many stars as you want. But, but the point is, it's not about how many stars. What what it is 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 about. Uh, guys banging the table passionately for guys they believe in. And I want the scouts to take the forefront in that because they've put nine months, ten months of work yeah. in it. They've gotten to know the kid. They're in the building. Uh, and then I want my coaches to get involved, our coaches to get involved, and say, I fell in love with this kid on tape. This kid on tape is unbelievable. And we had the Senior Bowl this year, so we got to see the Senior Bowl kids up close. We coached them for a week. That was a big deal. So um, by the end of this process, I'm hoping to look up at my board, and I'm hoping to see a, a bunch of guys with stars there that we're going to go get. Do you walk out of the Senior Bowl in the back of your mind knowing that's a guy that I want? Yeah. There has to be, right? Yeah, and, and I do it on a daily basis, though. I mean, I, I, I've done it for 20 years, sit in a room by myself and say, wow, would I love to have that kind of guy. Those kind of guys, Adam, pop off tape. Okay, they don't they don't hide themselves, and you got to go do your homework on who they are as a person and all that stuff. But on tape, which is eighty percent, right? On tape, what, what what they identify themselves. They're relentless. They're tough. They're available. They show up every week and they play at the same level. Yeah. They're not flash guys. They're not guys that play well one week and then disappear for two and a half weeks and then show up again for a quarter and then they're gone. They might be the height, weight, speed guys at the combine. And they might show up and have one good week at the Senior Bowl, but they they show themselves on a weekly basis if you pay attention. How will it be for you going into free agency for the first time? Because you've always dealt with the dread. Yeah. Now, these guys that you study, you've got reports on, you can sure. reports on. So they're just free agents now. So it's right. not really a big difference. But how will it be for you going into this free agent market that we're about to go into on March 11th when you can negotiate and March 13th when the signing period begins? Yeah, so it's less of a comfort level for me because, you know, for 20 years it's been about the draft and I just kind of tracked free agency. Uh, now I've got to get directly involved with my pro department. Uh, and while we have draft meetings the last few weeks, I mean, we had 15 consecutive days of draft meetings where the college scouts were in 12 hours a day, 7 a.m., 7 p.m., 15 straight days. And I'd have to bounce in and out of those meetings because I'd have John and I would go in on the, the pro side also. So we are, we are ready to go. We've got a plan for free agency. We've got, everybody's got a finite amount of money and, um, to me, we have so many holes. You know, you're four and twelve. You got a lot of team needs, man. Yeah. And what free agency really is about, I don't always think it's about the tier one guys. I think it's about tr- trying to find some younger guys that are ascending that can plug holes on your team need side. Teams don't like good players get away by and large. <laughs> you don't see many tackles and pass rushers and quarterbacks ever hit free agency. Corner. I mean, it's yeah. rare that yep. good players get away, but the good teams find. 
Yep. The good players at the right price at the right time. All right. John Lynch makes the jump from TV yeah. to a general manager. You make the jump from TV to a general manager. Yeah. Teams have interviewed Lewis Riddick, who I think one day would be a great general manager. Are we going to see more of this in the future? You know, what I, what I think it is is, is kind of um, – we're always looking for talent, right? No matter who's evaluating what for what level, your job, my job, whatever, people are always looking for talent. There are different ways to find talent. Uh, you know, Major League Baseball went to Cuba. You know, the, the football is looking in Europe. Uh, and I think what happens as far as front office talent is I think owners, GMs, people are, are open now to, to different avenues. Uh, and I think one of the avenues is is this niche. And the irony to me is when I started NFL Network, they had to sell me on this job. I didn't want to be the college guy at the NFL Network. I didn't think that had a future. I thought that that was like, are you kidding me? I don't want to be the college guy. I've never had to do draft analysis. I've watched football from a scheme perspective. And, and watching from a personnel perspective is different. I don't want this job. They had to talk me into taking the job, and I took a, about an 80% pay cut from my commercial commercial real estate life wow. to take the job. Wow. Okay? That's a true story. But the point is, it was such a finite niche. What I didn't realize was that Mel was the only guy that had ever yeah. done it, and that this NFL network, this fledgling NFL network, was going to give me an opportunity, even though I didn't realize it at the time, to sit there and talk football in front of millions of people, most importantly, as it turns out, the NFL community itself. It was a great experience, I, getting to work with you, getting to work with some of the people that started NFL Network. Yeah. It was an honor. And when you talk about that, I think there are certain traits that apply and are useful in any field. You are passionate. You're knowledgeable. You care. It's your livelihood. So if that worked as a draft analyst, right. why would it not work in another line of work? It's like John Lynch. He succeeded at almost everything he's done. Yep. He's a tremendous man so why would he not have some degree of success as a general manager sure right it just the skills transfer in anything i think yeah i I think uh the way you put it makes sense and and i think uh definable skills do translate to any profession i agree with that um I i think what i'm grateful for in my position is that for the last 18 years or whatever it's been in addition to the tv it's really been about the football for me and mm-hmm. I, i've gone to the pro days i've been at the combine i can't tell you how many senior bowl east west games nflpa games this has been your life it's been my life and and i think a lot of the scouting community which makes me feel really good a lot of the scouting community has been um, I've, I've had, I can't tell you how many people I've had come up to me, scouts around the league that just give me a big hug and say, Hey, can't tell you how happy we are for you because you earned it. And coming from somebody in that profession, when you're a TV guy or used to be a TV guy, that means a lot. Was there one person or one message that meant more than others that stayed with you? Because when you're at certain milestone moments in your life, you hear from certain people and certain things stay with you. No, you know what? I, I've had a whole bunch of GMs and head coaches hug me and and guys that I've developed. They're just really good friends, and, and that means a lot. I, I think the one thing that stuck with me, though, is not any of that. I think the one thing that probably has stuck with me is my dad was my high school coach. You know, he's – I listen to him. Um, he, he told me, whatever you do, bottom line, trust yourself. You know, what's it going to mean for him to come to your first game as the Raiders GM? Uh, he pr- he probably won't make it. He's eighty. Hmm. 
84, and he won't get in the plane anymore. Uh, but he watches everything. What if the Raiders open back east? We're going to be on the road <laughs> a bunch. <laughs> we're going to be on the freaking road a bunch, man. Hey, Mike, we're going to miss you on draft day. But it's great to see you still a part, a major part of the NFL world. And I thank you very much for the time today. And I thank you for your professional relationship through the years. Always awesome. Thanks, man. From Mike Mayock, we go across the bay to the San Francisco 49ers general manager, John Lynch. John, how much of a different feeling for you having done this now for a couple of years, heading into this offseason with the draft and free agency coming up. Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a wily vet now. You can tell by the gray hair. <laughs> no, no, but uh, you know, I, I the cool thing just is like when I was a player in year 15. Uh, I've always had a philosophy. My parents always taught me: you never stop learning. And so, um, you know, I learned year one. I learned year two, and if uh, I'm learning year three, and and if I do this for 15 years, I, hopefully I'm still learning, and I'm, I'm sure I will be. And uh, I think that's just a philosophy I've taken to life. And, um, yes, there's experiences that help you, uh, that you have to go through yourself. You can have people around you and surround yourself with great people, but you've got to go through it to uh, to say, you know what, I've been here before. And, um, you know, other things, you, you trust your instincts, you trust your football knowledge, but there are experiential things in this business that you only learn from going through it. So you did listen to your father and mother there when they said never stop learning. I did. But you didn't listen to your father when he said to keep a journal. I didn't, and I wish I had. You know, that's so cool that you've done that. And uh, I remember my dad told me that when I got drafted, actually when I was drafted in baseball my junior year, and he said, John, I'm going to tell you something because I think you're going to go on to do great things and you're going to have a great book, but you got a journal every day. You're going to have some incredible experiences. So the journal's up here. But, <laughs> um, but, but, let, me, but let me say yeah. this. It's not too late to start. not too late, yeah. And you know what? Yeah. I was at the NBA All-Star Game weekend, yeah. and David Stern and Adam Silver helped convince the Chicago Bulls to let a camera crew follow them in the last year before they won their sixth championship. And now there was 500 hours of footage that Michael Jordan had to sign off on that they're going to be releasing in a 10-part, 20-hour series next yeah. year on ESPN and Netflix. Yeah. And so it's always great to have stuff documented. Yeah. And I bring that up because they document it. You could document this. And That's you never cool. know when the season's going to come along where you're going to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. There you go. Or you're going to win a Super Bowl. And you have those experiences written down, documented for life. One day the John Lynch story is going to be written. <laughs> is it going to be great to have that? I'll tell you, though, I've journal? done that from time to time. Like during our Super Bowl, I played in one Super Bowl. It was in my hometown of San Diego. That week, Freddie Goodelli, you know, the great producer, was from working NBC. for ABC, I believe, at the time. And Madden uh, was doing the game with Al Michaels, I believe. But they came to me Super Bowl week. We didn't have the bye week that year. And said, hey, we're, we've got a new concept. We're going to live mic you during the game. And we want you to be the guy. And at first I said, no, I can't do that. I don't. I, I can't have that on my mind. Uh, that was. Now it's much more uh, common than it was kind of. An, and then the fact they were doing it live. I was like, what are you talking? Like in game and. And I was like, oh, man, that's that's risky. But the way Freddie Cadelli sold it to me, he said he had done his homework. And he said, your son Jake will have this the rest of his life. And I said, you got me. <laughs> Let's do it. And so I was live mic during the Super Bowl. And there's great footage that includes my son coming out of the stands and hanging out on the sidelines. And you know, I'll forever treasure that. How thankful are yeah, you that I you did that? I tell Freddie Cadelli every time I see him, thank you. <laughs> see, so I'm telling yeah. you now. Yeah. That it's not too late to start that journal yeah. and start documenting the experiences because you never know 
when that will come in handy. I started yeah. keeping drills. I was going to say, Adam, with, with, I was thinking when you said that with all my free time, <laughs> but then I don't know if no, anybody's more busy than you. Here's so the thing. There's no excuses, You find right? the time. Yeah. You squeeze it in during the day. Yeah. Like, yeah. there are times... Sleep's overrated? During, <laughs> you don't need that. Sleep you don't need, John, okay? That you eliminate. Yeah. I need but memories. But you find little pockets yeah. in the day to do it, and you never know when you'll want it. And you don't have to be elaborate in your yeah. thoughts, but I'm telling you, it's worth doing. I imagine it's pretty therapeutic as well, right? On certain it's days. very therapeutic. Yeah. So, yeah. if during the football season, yeah. it's a tough season, sometimes it makes you feel better. Yeah. Going through things at home that right. maybe are tough or challenging, That's right. you write it down. And you know what? You look back on it, and you laugh at these things. So if we were going to write a book on the 49ers offseason, what would we put in there about what we'd like to do to make this team better? Well, if we were going to write that book, I, I think um, I think despite the fact that we've only won 10 games, I think um, we understand, Kyle and myself and everybody, the leadership of our team from Jed on down, and um, that this is a production-based business. We've won 10 games in two years, but we also we're kind of proud of, of, of what we're building and how we're building it, and I think we're we're bringing in the type of guys, uh, you know, we talked about culture early on, and Kyle, I thought, had a tremendous definition. Culture is the people you surround yourself with. That's that's culture to me. And so we've really tried to identify what kind of players we want to bring in. And we talk about, you know, the talent and spirit that they embody. And I think we brought a lot of guys in that uh, fit that mold. And I think we continue to do more of that. And so I think it's just, you know, we have a, a, have a little saying brick by brick. And we want to keep adding those bricks and, and uh, I think get some dynamic, explosive players, but continuing to add the quality people that, that are going to going to make us who we think we're going to be know your time is limited before i let you go there must be something about gms in the bay area with tv experience <laughs> because we spoke to mike mack in this podcast as well yeah he's in tv yeah you were in tv i had the great honor of working with you right. in television right. before you made the jump to general manager. what is it about being in television or football that is prepare you to become a general manager well i like i told you earlier i i think uh I think there are experiences that do, and I, I, you know, Mike said something the other day, and I'm sure a lot of people poo-pooed it, you know, but one of the things I did, especially as an analyst, I was in every building in the league, and so when you're there, people like to tell you things. I don't, you know, I think one thing that people don't understand, sometimes it's lonely being at the top when you're the GM, the head coach, people, you know, oftentimes you're in your office alone, and yes, you're communicating, but it's nice to talk to someone from the outside. Sometimes as an analyst, you were that guy, and I didn't know I was going to do this, but you took a lot of notes mentally like, wow, you know, okay, here's the common threads of the team that are successful year in, year out, and here's some common threads of, of teams that aren't good. And oftentimes that was little things like the GM and the coach not really liking each other or, or not communicating. Sometimes, you know, some successful places, I knew places where they didn't like each other, but they respected each other, you know, so things like that. But I think everybody going in the same direction. So I think there are some things as being an analyst, you get a really global outlook of the league. And uh, I, I think that surprises people that players don't have that. But when you're a player, you only know the experience of the, of the building you've been right. in. And that's one thing TV did expose me to. I, uh, Pete Carroll gives me a hard time all the time. You knew you were going to do this because he used to tell, you know, <laughs> give me a lot of information. I said, no, I did not. <laughs> I did not. It's so, pretty cool that two yeah. guys were in TV or both 
general managers of the NFL teams in the Bay Area. Yeah, no, it is. And I, I think Mike will do great. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. He'll be prepared. <laughs> There's no doubt about yeah, that. Yeah. John, thank you very much for taking the time. Thank I really you, appreciate Adam. it. Good yeah. luck in the draft and in free agency. Always enjoy it, man. Thank, thank you. you. And now, a season after they came within a game of reaching and potentially even winning the Super Bowl, we're joined by the Chiefs general manager, Brett Veach. All right, Brett, there are keystone moments for a general manager during the course of a year. You're always looking for and evaluating talent, but there are certain times of the year that are really busy. Combine week, free agency week, draft week. What is free agency week like for a general manager in the NFL? Well, listen, it's it, there's a lot of sitting and waiting, and, and I think one thing you learned last year is, you know, you certainly build um, uh, a lot of great dialogue and you exchange a lot of great information, but you, you truly never know um, how things are going to play out and the twists and turns, and, and I remember last year uh, feeling really good about certain situations and certain players and, and then things taking a dramatic shift or change right away, so um, it, it's very tense, but... I would say the days are very, very long, and there's little dialogue. It's crazy because you have all this dialogue that's shared prior to, <laughs> yes. and then as soon as it starts, it's like everyone just, they call, and the conversations become very short then, and then the the time in between, the next call, uh, grows very long, and then you wonder, all right, are we out, are we in? And um, so, it, listen, it's nervous, but, you, you know, you go back to, you know, the um, you know the trust and communication you have with different agents and representation, and uh, hopefully, you know, it works out for everyone. And one move often changes the landscape of other moves. You could be in on a player, a team could be in on a player, they lose that player, it affects other players, teams think they're going to get a player. It's just amazing how quickly the board reshuffles, if no you question. will. Yeah, no question. So, um you got to make sure you have a contingency plan, but at the same time, you know you don't want to just make a contingency plan to make one, right? So you don't want to just go in an avenue that you really shouldn't have been going down anyway, and not to do something out of panic. So what you do is, um, you know, you you gather much as much information as you can. You have great dialogue, and then you have a primary plan of attack. And that even though you feel good about that plan, you know that there are certain situations or teams may come out of nowhere, and things may happen that no one anticipated. That may change or alter your course of action. So you do have a contingency plan in place. Um, but then after that, you have to be able to just walk away then and, and not make bad decisions just out of the need for feeling like you need to make it, uh, a move when, you know, sometimes the best moves you, you make are the ones, you know, you don't even mess with. Have you ever had one like that where you wanted to make a move, didn't go your way? Look back, you're like, oh boy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I think last year we ended up, um, you know, in going a different different route, and there's some some other players you don't want to mention because of, of, of how it you know may or may not have turned out. But yeah, I think everybody does it. I think you do it with free agency, you do it with the draft, you do it with all sort of transactional periods where there are, are lessons to be learned. But you know, the one thing that um, you know you just take back from last year is, like I said, you know, you have a plan, you have a contingency plan, and then that's it. I mean, you just get dialed in on what you want to do, and then you don't deviate from that, and you don't you don't go down a different avenue just because things got crazy. So when you go into the free agent period this week, how much is on your mind the fact that you're going to have to pay your quarterback a boatload of money at some point in time? Well, I'm very fortunate. i got two uh, great people that work in our building, Brant Tillis and Chris Shea. And, you know, when we made the move to draft Pat and we moved from 27 to 10, we were convinced that he was going to be a franchise quarterback. So uh, the, you know, the dialogue that we've had and our ability to kind of plan and prepare for this happened well before the 5,000-yard, 50-touchdown pass season. Um, when we drafted him and you know the season that he uh, was a backup to Alex, we were already making moves and planning for um, Pat to be this guy. 
and and you know so we have a great plan in place and the whole time we have been working with um, the understanding that Pat is, is going to be a premier player in this league, be a franchise quarterback, and I think every move we've made since we've drafted Pat has put us in position or has allowed flexibility down the line for us to maneuver and, and to continue to add talent around him. When you draft him, you say you know what he is, you believe in him. When did you know that your thoughts were spot on? Well, it didn't take long. Certainly from the day he stepped on the field at rookie minicamp and OTAs, um, you know, he, he did something that was wild or crazy. But you can certainly say, well, there's not any pads on and you're just in helmets. Okay. So then you go to training camp and he's making no-look throws. And it was funny. No-look throws back in training camp. Oh, yeah. Yeah, his, his, um, his, his rookie season. It was funny because I think that 16 season um, or 17 season, whatever his rookie year was, I guess it was 17, um, Mike Vick was was at training camp for a few days doing some coaching stuff with with our staff and and again this is his rookie year and, and Mike I remember being in the the film room watching tape with him and Mike would stop and say I've never seen that before and this is a guy that's never logged an NFL start he's going to be the backup um, so you can say okay that's just that's just um, it's just practice in in in, in preseason. So then you go to the, the preseason games, and then you see him versus Tennessee making all these crazy throws, and, and then you can still say, well, it's just preseason games. It doesn't really mean anything. And then you go to this first start in Denver, and um, now the stat line wasn't crazy, but if you really watch that game, he did some crazy things. And right at the end of the two-minute drive, we rolled out and made that crazy throw, and that was against a very good defense on the road, his first start, 20 degrees. And it wasn't like he played in the Dome against a team um, that wasn't very good on defense. I mean, he was, we were playing outdoors in 20-degree weather against a very good defensive team. Um, and then you can say, well, okay, it didn't mean anything. that Denver wasn't in the playoff race, this and that. And then, but now it's real, right? So all the stuff that you saw. So I know it's a long-winded answer, but we really saw it from day one. It's just a matter of what you wanted to say counts as credible evidence. But we saw it since the day he stepped on the field for rookie minicamp. I covered the Denver Broncos for almost 16 seasons. And I remember when it would get to free agency, money always talks. But there were players that wanted to come to Denver to play with John Elway. And if it was close in the money, oftentimes the difference was getting to play with a Hall of Fame quarterback. Now, your quarterback's not in the Hall of Fame. But he's coming off an MVP season, and he's the most exciting young player in the entire National Football League. Will this give you an advantage, not just this year in free agency when you want, but do you see this evolving into the kind of advantage that other teams have used in other years? I would absolutely think so. I think when you have great ownership, you have a Hall of Fame head coach, and you have a 23-year-old MVP that is exciting to watch and play with, and not to mention, you know, these players, not only do they want to play with Pat, but they know that the league's going to put Pat on Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night, and primetime games. And, and that's something that, that we're excited about for our fan base. And, and like you said, it, absolutely. I, I think that, you know, um, great players gravitate to great players. And Pat's a great player. And, and I certainly think that that will put us uh, in, in a unique window where guys – now, again, listen, things have to be close. I mean, guys aren't going to – Of course. Right. But I think when, when you get – when everything is very close – um, I absolutely think that there'll be, um, you know, um, a big advantage. It will be a big advantage having Pat Mahomes. You're going to win for years to come. You're going to be in primetime games. You're going to have five night games a year. Right. Largely because of the quarterback. Right. Absolutely. And, and who who wouldn't want to be a part of that? All these guys that, um, you know, are out there, all these guys are competitive. Uh, they love to play on, on primetime. They, they love the big, the big stage and the bright lights. And I think knowing that you're going to have um, – you know, organization that's going to be able to put you in that position 
year in and year out. It's something that every every potential free agent or player that's available um, will have to strongly consider. And I think in many cases it'll be a tipping point. That's the quarterback position. The running back position, you've said this offseason, that Damian Williams goes into camp as the lead back. What makes him the lead running back for the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, I think Damian, you know, really, you know, he's a talented player. And, you know, he did some things in Miami. And we had the opportunity to sign him last year. And we really liked his tape. And uh, the running back position for the Chiefs always start with, can this guy catch and block? Uh, running, running the ball is almost uh, the third thing on Coach Reed's wish list. But from the time I was a young scout, I mean, Coach always says, like, the first, can he catch? And so Damien has tremendous hands, and he can block. But he's a great blend of size and power. He has good vision. Uh, the kid is, is, is tough as nails. He loves to compete. And, you know, he was behind a lot of good players last year. And, and But even during the preseason uh, camp at St. Joe's and, and during the preseason games, um, we knew how talented the kid was. And when... We had the situation with Kareem, and then Spencer Ware got hurt. When when Damian had a chance to start, everyone in the building knew he'd be successful because we've seen it all through camp and, and all through the season um, in practice. I mean, and his talent just just stood out. So we weren't surprised by the fact that he came in and had 100 yards versus the Colts in the playoffs and scored four touchdowns versus um, the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. None of that surprised us. Um, so we're excited to have him back. He has a great skill set. And now, listen, we're going to have to add more depth because our depth has kind of been depleted. But uh, I think Damian and, and Darrell Williams, the undrafted free agent from LSU, make a, a nice tandem. And, you know, we're looking forward to, to add to that depth and, and uh, find guys that can catch the football. Does that depth come from the free agent pool, or does it come in the draft? Yeah, I think, like last year, I, I think we were able to add Damian via free agency and then Darrell in, in the in the draft process after the draft. So I think that we'll look for all all areas and all avenues to, to acquire. And, and if we if we do get someone in free agency, it won't mean we won't draft one. And and, and, and again, if, if we don't, it, it doesn't mean we're still going to draft one. I think it just depends on how it, how it works out. But we always have our eyes and ears open for, for the best out there. And, um, again, like you said earlier about uh, free agency, I, I think that if there's a running back that likes to catch the football, it would be hard for him to say no to Kansas City. Brett, thank you very much for the time. Good luck this week in free agency. Good luck in the draft. And we appreciate you making some time for us. Awesome. Thank you very much. We'll be back in a moment with Big Cat and PFT Commenter. But first, I want to tell you about trip actions. There's a reason why half of business travelers do not use their company's chosen travel management platform. Booking business travel is still ridiculously outdated, time-consuming, and costly. If you're frustrated with your company's travel management program or lack thereof, you need to look into trip actions. They take the pain out of corporate travel with a complete solution that helps businesses save and keeps employees happy. The reason TripActions works so well is that it's the first travel management platform designed from the ground up with the road warrior in mind. It's easy to book your company's business travel from the app or desktop with 24-7 proactive support around the globe and incentives for employees to save on travel expenses. Companies large and small see over 90% adoption and save up to 34% on travel spend when they use Trip actions. Companies from Lyft to Sara Lee's Frozen Bakery trust Trip Actions with their business travel. Trip Actions rewards travelers for saving their company money and they'll reward you for just checking them out. Reshape your company's business travel today with Trip Actions. Go to tripactions.com slash ASP. Complete a 30-minute demo with a Trip Actions account executive and you'll get a $100 Amazon gift card. But it's this month only. Tripactions.com slash ASP for a free demo and a $100 Amazon gift card. Tripactions.com slash ASP. 
by the way, we're all, this is the start of the segment right now, so I'll just introduce your podcast to your <laughs> listeners. This is Know Them from Adam, and uh, this is PFT Commenter and Big Cat. It's actually the Adam Schefter Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Here is uh, your host, Adam Schefter. Oh, thank you very much, PFT. I appreciate the conversation. PFT, Big Cat, it is a pleasure to turn the tables Let's do it. on you guys. Yeah. And I think the first place that we should start would be, being that I'm so out of touch on so many things, I'm so engrossed in my own world, I don't realize a lot of times that the joke's on me, where we're going. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that you can bring me up to speed on some Twitter logos, some expressions that people use, some commonly used expressions that I run across on social media. Okay, first of all, how do I know that you're you and not Adarn Schefter? Mm. <laughs> how much is that? I don't see a blue check mark on your chest. Well, hold yeah. on, there's Adarn Schefter. Yeah. There's Black Adam Schefter. Yep. There's White Adam. Like yeah. there are all sorts of Adam Schefter. Adnan yes. Schefter was my favorite one. Yeah. That, like that from, was pretty serial. That was Trollbalans. Yeah. Adarn Schefter tricked a lot of people. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. I mean, yes. It's all the time. It, it happens. Why do I always see references to <laughs> my wife left me? What does that mean? That's just the internet, man. That's just a funny joke, I guess. I, the Twitter reply world is a very weird place, and I get it. Like, I, I think we both have been involved in it, PFD, right? Oh, yeah, heavily. Like, like it's, a, That's it's how I got addicting my start. to, to reply to someone and then have it, you know, be almost bigger than the original tweet sometimes. And you get, because, you know, if, the bigger it gets, the higher it up is, up it sits, so it sits right underneath yours, so if you're like, Breaking news: Tom Brady retires, and then someone's like, uh, "My wife I, I don't retired know, I don't from being married." Swear to on me. this, yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah, and it's like a picture of a Photoshop picture, a very graphic Photoshop picture, and it gets a thousand retweets. <laughs> That's the biggest rush you could get. That's like you breaking news. Yeah, we talk, we call that uh, tweet. Yeah, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that what it's called? Well, yes. yeah, I, I've been struggling for a word for it for a while, and I feel like <laughs> that, that one lands. Yep, um, yep. But yeah, no, Big Cat's right. It's like, you know, it's a little bit addicting. Also, when you see the my wife left me thing, I think that's just, if we're going to get serious, I think it's just like a, a commentary to reply. It, it's like an ironic way of showing that that person doesn't have anybody else that they can vent to. So they're venting to Adam Schefter, online. newsbreaker online. Yeah. And so it's, And I'm there for them. Yeah, yeah, you're there for them because, you know, you care about your audience. But it's like, <laughs> I, I, it's very, it's steeped in like seven layers of irony and it's so far underneath, you know, all this mud and fertilizer of, of the ironic Twitter sphere that we don't really know what it means anymore. We just know that it's supposed to be funny. Which one do you get the most? I think my wife left me is the one. I've actually wondered sometimes yeah. that if my wife ever did leave me, yeah. and oh, I tweeted that my wife it would be the, did leave it me, would it might be, break the. It might yeah. break Twitter. It would be, be like the Ellen tweet where she did the selfie with all the famous people. Oh, yeah, you would. It would definitely break break that. <laughs> well, we, we we could go for it. We get a lot of P boy references. Yeah, well, that's me. I was hoping my that bad. that was going to go away, Big Cat. What the heck happened? It yeah. should go away because you won that bet with the Jets. And uh, now, so for those who don't know, yeah. we bet. Yeah, you started calling me P boy. When you are the one who actually pees himself all the time. Correct. I've never done that. Right. You've gone Bradley Cooper you didn't Star see is that Born. Movie. Yeah. I actually did see the movie last week. Okay. My wife didn't like it. I thought it was kind of good. Okay. Um, anyway, you've gone Bradley Cooper. You've peed yes. yourself. Yep. I have never done that before. Yeah. Ever. Wait, wait, wait. Back up. You've never peed yourself. Well, you're a baby at one well, point. Okay. You've never peed yourself past the age of, let's call it seven. When was the last time you, you, you had an accident? I peed myself like last week. Yeah. Just a little pee. Unintentionally. Just a little pee comes out. Just a little bit. 
It hasn't happened yet. But maybe maybe not, you didn't shake right. Look, I'm 52 years old. I'm probably yeah. not far away from That's having true. it happen. It could mm-hmm. happen during the course of the No, you jinxed yourself. Yeah. You, yeah. okay, that that started because you said that Mel Kuyper never takes a pee break during the draft, which is true. And I just assumed the implication there was that you take a, a pee break after every pick. And then I also <laughs> realized that you were the classic guy that you go on a road trip and 30 minutes in, you're like, hey, can we pull over? I really got to pee. Well, what happens is once you go once... I know how the break, seal. yeah, yep. but you're that guy. And they'd be like, hey, Shefty, why don't you just piss in this Gatorade bottle? And you're like, I don't want to do that. We're all that guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Well, no, I'll pee in the Gatorade bottle <laughs> while I'm driving. Like, <laughs> I won't stop. Little tip, so if, you people, buy, if you buy a gallon of, like, iced tea, just pour it out in mm-hmm. the gas station parking lot, and you're set for the next, like, six hours. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. I got to tr- try that. Yeah. Yeah, or just dipe up. Just wrap a diaper on. Yeah. <laughs> like that astronaut. You remember that story? That was a wild moment on the internet. That astronaut that was in a, a love triangle and drove from Houston to Florida, and she wore a diaper the whole time. Yeah. Look we're into in it. Do your own research. So we got my yeah. wife left me. We got yeah. P-Boy. Yep. There were a lot of jokes about my height. A lot of jokes. Yep. A lot. That one, you. I actually want to give you credit. You You take those very well. How does that? Like, I, you just don't, I don't think it, I don't think it bothers you. And it's like... You know, I think that's the way to the way to beat the internet is to truly not let things bother you mm-hmm. and be self deprecating when when the time comes. So I think you do a good job with that. Well, that's very kind of you. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I no, I do. I appreciate I do. you say. By the way, does it how does it feel to be back on ESPN here again? That's true. It's wonderful. This is our triumphant return. Yeah, it really is. That's and and true. I am honored to be the one to bring you guys back to ESPN <laughs> and do what could have been a regular rendition of Barstool Van Talk. Now yeah. we, we wouldn't have come existed. on the show. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We're it just desperate now. Yeah. But we would, yeah, we definitely wouldn't have come. And, come and to me, it's a sign of how far we've come. Yes. To being mortal social media enemies. Yep. To now, you guys, I would consider as groomsmen, my Fr- wedding. Friendish. If I were getting... If yeah, your absolutely. wife left you... And you had to get remarried, then yes. we would be your girlfriend. Yes, yeah. we'd be there. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, those would be some awesome pictures for Pinterest. Like us standing next to you, just holding signs that say his wife left him. Yeah. Would, yeah unlike a nice little, so tall. Yeah, yeah, I would look very tall. Unlike a wooden see, chalkboard. See, I think it, that bothered you a little. No, so it get really, back really, to the normal. No, no, no. To be I'm, fair, I'm, I'm fine. you handle the height jokes way better than I do. Yeah, or PFT. <laughs> way better. Do people make jokes about yeah. your height? No, because they know better. Because yeah. I'm not, the, I'm actually perfectly average height, so nobody yeah. ever jokes. What about what it. would people say that would actually bother you? Uh, There's got to be a sensitive spot for each of you. Yeah, probably something that talk trash about Danny Woodhead that would get under my or skin, or say that the Redskins stink. Yeah, well, well that's actually just a fact. <laughs> so that doesn't bother you. No, when you say that Dan Snyder is never going to sell the Washington Redskins, that actually bothers me. Would it bother you if people made fun of the Bears? Yeah, well, the, 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 the people have made a billion double doink kicks. You know, references in the last, uh, month. I'd say probably when people, uh, this, this sucks to like say out loud. Yeah, don't say, then, what are you doing right yeah, now? No, uh, I hate when people say how handsome I look. <laughs> don't do that, guys. I know how handsome I am. <laughs> yeah. No, it's actually, it, so what happens with, uh, like when it comes to like sports teams and losses, it always hurts for like a week when people reply, and then it just you just become numb to it. it it's like the when when the, my wife left me like the first few times, you're probably like, "What the hell's going on?" And then it just washes over you, and it's like I've seen a gif of the Cody Parky kick probably three million times, like Clockwork Orange style. So I don't even care. So is does double doink mean anything else to you? Does it have any other meaning? To actually, it? I don't know because there are a lot of things that double doink could mean. True, I, this guy it was actually a crazy. Like circumstance, but the Marquette Villanova game, uh, the, uh, an errant pass hit a guy in the face 
and then went directly up in the air and then came down and hit him on the top of the head. So maybe we should talk about that double That's the new double dunk. Yeah. <laughs> it was an unreal it. clip. I like that. Yeah, it was an unreal clip. But yeah, that's, the trick that's is, probably not going to pick up. Yeah, just don't don't admit if something actually makes you upset because that's going to just multiply it. That's part of you guys being the self-proclaimed alphas and football guys True. that you are. What would it take for me to reach that level of masculinity? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. You have to get another phone. Yeah, three phones. Three. The, the yeah. pager that I referenced. Um, Getting that thumb surgery to make you type faster. Yeah. I think I, you being alpha. I don't know mm. if it's ever going to happen. I um, think. Well, no. Yeah, I think the only way you can be alpha is to admit that you're not alpha. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm not. I'm just there a regular guy. That was the most alpha thing we you've just, ever said. We just did the cheese yeah. all that with you right now. <laughs> yeah. I am so took not your alpha. Glasses but that's off. good. No, keep <laughs> yeah. doing that. Keep doing what you're saying. Keep I saying just, that. I yeah. am, I you're am just a regular, yeah. five foot eight, yeah. middle aged, beta, yeah. white keep guy, going. Keep going. Yeah. plain, yep. simple, mm-hmm. nothing fancy. This is alpha. Yeah. That's alpha. Boom. You got it. By the way, you're 5'8. Did you shrink? You told me that you were 5'9 last time. I didn't say five. I never mm. would say I'm five nine. I'm not five nine. I wish. I yeah, wish I were five nine. Because five eight is suspect as it is. Yeah. I, I. You know. I wish. I wish my parents were a lot taller. You know. I wish my mom and dad didn't smoke cigarettes when. You know, when, they were, when my mom had me. It sounds uh, like your parents were cool as hell. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Real cool. Uh, let me say this to you. Yeah. My parents are way cooler than me. You guys would enjoy. Yeah. They are party people. Ooh. I believe that. They, I believe that they're cooler than I me. I wouldn't say my dad's an alpha male. But they are party people with a lot of friends. I mean, they have a lot more fun than I do. Be- being an alpha, though, is uh, very overrated. It's kind of a burden, you know? It's like you walk around and everyone's like, damn, look at these guys. Here they come. Well, I've, I've learned a lot from you guys. <laughs> I've, I've learned how to make friends and enemies. I've learned how to take enemies and make them into your friends. Uh-huh. Now that we've come around, mm-hmm. could you ever envision coming around on a guy like Roger Goodell? Who's your next... Peace pipe going to be smoked with. Mm. Uh, Ro- I actually think I would like Roger's wife more than I would like Roger. His wife seems cool. That because she she was the one that created those burner accounts to defend her husband. Like that shows she's got some spunk. She's got some creativity. I think I would like his wife a lot. I don't know what she's doing with him because he seems to have the personality. Of, what is it that uh, Dom Rickles said of a, of a wet moth? <laughs> That's basically Roger Goodell. So I I don't know. You, you lock me in a room with him. Maybe you know we we walk out of the room as friends eventually. But he just strikes me as a guy that there's not a lot going on there. It's it's a good question because I like we love the NFL. We love the NFL. So it's crazy that the NFL I know there's a there's a past and uh you know, like Hank who just walked out of the room, but like he got arrested with three of our yeah. our, our other coworkers and the Goodell versus the Patriots thing that they had going on. But like at the end of the day, we love the NFL and we talk about it all the time. I, it's crazy that the NFL, like, I would love to do a peace talk with the NFL and be like, why wouldn't you just let us, like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Just stop banning us from everywhere. You don't have to give us access, but. Would you want Roger Goodell as a guest? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's make that happen. Yeah, let's do it. Do you have his number? Do you want to yeah, call Yeah, you do. You have it in both phones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, we, no, we would absolutely do you have think him. he'd open up to us or no? I honestly, he should do a podcast yes. with you. That would be the best thing. See, that would be. It's like me not being alpha. Right. It's crazy. It yeah. would be very... Right. It would be the right thing for him to do. And it's crazy because like, if he came on and was even a little bit uh, charismatic or said something, you know, was engaging in even a tiny, tiny little bit, he would take away a lot of the sting that, you know, and the whole rivalry thing that's going on. 
It's crazy. He should do it. See, I don't think he has the self-awareness to do it, though. No. That If he were to do that, then... It's the smart move. If he were the kind of guy that would do something like that, he wouldn't be in the position that he's in right now. Right. So right. I, I don't think he already would have. Right. He should take any time that he is using to work on a new collective bargaining agreement or any new billion-dollar deal for the networks. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, he should after- take time away from any issue that the league is facing, correcting past interference to make the Saints fans... And he should sit down and do... Pardon my take. Yeah. Take an afternoon off of collecting pee from your players. Yes. Just like leave your pee obsession at home for six hours and sit down with me and let me grill you. That's as somebody, right. as somebody who has understood a pee obsession, yes. I agree with yes. that. Uh-huh. Yes. I agree with that. Yeah, but yes. to to the other uh, people out there, so Goodell would be great. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and Kevin Durant are also two guys that we would love to interview. Well, Can you are you jealous happen? of Aaron Rodgers' relationship with Levitard, Dan Levitard? He has one. They have a great relationship. No. He's his producer, right? I can't say that I am. He actually looks yeah, a lot like true. Mike Ryan. Yeah, he does look like Mike, who we're friends with. But, uh, no, I, he, Aaron Rodgers, I think, would be very interesting. And Kevin Durant, we've had a, a past with him, too. So it's, it's fun. Like what we did with you or Vel, JJ Watt, all these guys where it's almost like this chase and then you get to it and it's like, hey, we actually don't hate each other. It's, it's part of the fun. Normal guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Guys, guys being guys. Guys being dudes. dudes. See, when you say it like that, it yeah. doesn't sound good. <laughs> I like hanging with my guys. Yeah. My guys. My bros, do I my sound, dogs. do I sound yeah. too Rovellish yes, here? A little do. bit, yeah. <laughs> this is, oh, yeah. Gotta, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is bro time. Yeah. <laughs> now I gotta get back to my something dogs. else. Yeah. Before I finish up here in Indianapolis, you haven't had any instances of trouble peeing yourself, getting arrested. No. Instances where the NFL has turned you away. They did turn us away. We walked up to the combine. We tried to go into the bench press area, and uh, a female security guard came up and said, "I'm with the NFL security. You guys aren't allowed here." And we're just like, "Okay, cool." They, and it was very, it was very like not a big deal because yeah. we all just kind of know the deal now. You she, know, that, you're not did, welcome. Yeah, right. Yeah, she did a great job because yeah. it could have, you know. He could very easily have blown up into something if they made like a big display of power and, yeah, and like, dragged where are you going? Out. She's like, you're just not allowed. Yeah, to we're like, we know. She's like, hey guys, um, yeah. so you have to have a credential, and you guys don't have one, so we can't let you in. Yeah, uh, sorry, you're not getting in. And we're like, ah, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, I'm thankful that I'm allowed to talk to you guys. That you're allowed on ESPN's airwaves. Yep. I'm allowed on your airwaves. Yep. Mm-hmm. It all works out very well. Thank there we you go. Very it's good to be time. back. It's good. It's, to be and back. I appreciate the tutelage also. Of course. On what anytime. I need to be paying attention to on social media. And being that much smarter for yeah. you. Also, be careful with your likes now because likes on Twitter are basically retweets. Yeah. So don't don't pull a Ted Cruz on us. Thank By the you. way, we're not going back all the way on ESPN. Just our friends. So consider yourself. Uh, that's that's a high honor. Only uh, our friends. And I am honored. Only people mm-hmm. we're friends with. Big Cat, PFT. Thank you. Thank you. Special thanks to Big Cat and PFT Commenter for being on the Adam Schefter podcast this week. And make sure to check out their podcast, Part of My Take, which I was fortunate enough to be a guest of last week. Special thanks as well to the Chiefs General Manager, Brett Veach, the 49ers General Manager, John Lynch, and the Raiders General Manager, Mike Mayock. Three men who will have key roles here in free agency this week and the draft next month. And special thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in to another edition of the Adam Schefter Podcast. Please tune in next week when we'll be joined by Field Yates to break down all the comings and goings that go on this week in the busy week of free agency. Have a great week, everybody.